If you're a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Nika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. This is episode 137, Pick It Back Up, an interview with Rosemary Lewis. Rosemary and I met in a shared coaching program because we're in the same mastermind under the same mentor. When I learned that she had been working on her first book, I had to interview her for my podcast. I think it's fascinating to hear how people navigate the process of writing their first book. You'll be interested in knowing what her book's about and how the Lord used it to help her process the emotion of grief. Sometimes our books are as much about what the Lord is doing in us as well as what he plans to do through our readers. We look forward to the day when Rosemary's book comes out, but until then, Enjoy her thoughts behind how she approached her writing. Well, welcome, Rosemary, to the Keep Writing Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you. So let me just find out more about what you do. And well, let's start with what you do. Okay, perfect. So I am a real estate broker. I was an elementary school teacher, early childhood and elementary school teacher for 14 years. And my husband and I were originally from Chicago, moved to Texas in 2017. And I taught for three years here and just had a tugging that I wanted to try something different. I knew exactly what different needed to be, but I was scared. But then I decided to do a scared and went ahead and resigned from my classroom and became a real estate agent term broker. So when you say I knew what different needed to be, what do you mean by that? So my husband has always been in the real estate field. He has been on the investment side of the business. He has flipped houses, rental properties and things like that. And there was always something missing from his business, right? It just never quite took off. And we did okay, but, you know, we just knew that the potential was great, that he, there was a missing link and the missing link was my skill set. And we, we always knew that it was my skill set, but I was, yeah, I was just unwilling, especially we got married in 2006, shortly after there was a recession, the housing crash. So I just had all this trauma around real estate as a career and, you know, being two commission-based incomes, all of that was just terrifying to me. But, you know, I'm a believer. I was in church one day and my pastor preached a sermon about obedience. And as soon as he was as he was preaching, I was like, I know exactly. I heard I literally audibly heard God say, go help. And I knew what mm-hmm. go help meant. And on the way home, I told my husband and we had this was not on the table, by the way, like me transitioning. None of this is on the table. He casually mentioned it for some years. But I, again, I wasn't willing and I was scared. And honestly, I was a little bit discouraging for him for a while to do it. I just want him to get a regular old job. I just want us to have two regular jobs, two regular pensions, you know, yeah. stand up safety net. And when we got in the car from church that Sunday. I looked at him and I said, you know, I think I'm going to 
go and get my real estate license. And he did not respond to me, which actually frustrated me because I was like, here I am finally, you know, I'm, I'm having this whole conversation in my head on the way home, arguing with him, but silently. And then when we got home, he just handed me a computer where he just registered me for classes. So No way. Yes, so, yes. so the look on his face was shock. And it so was fine. You are on the exact same wavelength. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what unbelievable. Happened. And such a confirmation from you that you had heard from the Lord and that you were doing the right thing. And oh, that's amazing. Okay. So when you transitioned out of the classroom, you said it was kind of scary. Oh, it was. It was. Do it scared. Yes, do it scared has been my motto for the longest because you're never really ready, right? When you're taking a leap. But in the first year that I was out of teaching and in real estate, the Lord really kind of set me in the second part of Matthew chapter 14, mm-hmm. where the disciples, they were scared. They were in the boat. They didn't know what was going to happen. But it took them to take that leap and do exactly what God told them to set up, set them up for to witness one of the most amazing miracles recorded in the Bible. Right. Yep. So, so that's really what my real estate journey has been is like. I like the feeling of being scared because then I know I'm not doing it within my own power and within my own might. And I'm, you know, and I, just that pause. I just want to pause right there. You're probably about to say something great. So hold on to that nugget, but I want to pause right there because a lot of my listeners who are just thinking about writing a book and they feel scared or they're just thinking about leaving the job to pursue writing and speaking full time. They're so scared, but you just said, that oh, like in in essence, that's a good thing. It because is. when you're scared, you know you're not doing it in your own might, in your own power. So I just need everyone listening to just sit with that for a second. That this is like the the intersection of faith. That when you're scared, it means you know you don't have enough fuel to get all the way to the destination. Yep, you don't have it. So that means that you are not doing it in your own might and own power and that's when you're totally totally dependent on god okay that's all i just wanted to park there for a second but keep on going so what were you going to say next no absolutely just exactly what you're saying like what i've learned in my life and even in the process of me writing the book you know when it's when i'm getting uncomfortable but also knowing that it's where my purpose is i know that god is calling me to do something then I know automatically that Rosemary ceiling is not going to be put on the opportunity, right? All I have, the only responsibility I have is to say yes. And that's what transition into real estate was for me. Rosemary's ceiling, you said, is not, that's not even part of it. Doesn't exist when I'm not just dependent on me. When I'm dependent on me, I'm going off of what I'm capable, I know I'm capable of. But when I decide, it's like, okay, I'm going to take this step. You got me, homie. (laughs) right oh I needed to hear that Nika's ceiling has nothing to do with it nothing to do with it oh that's so good okay so we hadn't even gotten to the book yet you threw that in but we hadn't even gotten there yet so you're you're transitioning to to working in real estate and what you know did you just find your skill set coming alive things that you I did. Honestly, the Lord will make room for your gifts when he calls you, right? So one thing that had me really reluctant is because I was so worried about other people's opinion about my 
my reasoning for going into real estate because teaching is noble, right? Teaching is, yeah. you know, it, it's like, oh, you're, you're in it for the betterment of the kids. And I don't care about money. So I was really worried that people that knew me and knew my heart would think that I just sold out on the kids for, for money, right? And quite honestly, I really transitioned. Like one of my biggest things was, things was a little bit more freedom so that I, I could increase my capacity for my own children. I have two boys. But what I found is that I, as like I tell people, I used to educate the little people. Now I just educate big people. And my job as a real estate agent broker, it really is ministry. I consider it to be ministry because when you think about it, when people are purchasing homes, they're opening and closing chapters right? And some of them have been very happy chapters that I get to be a part of. And some of them have been very challenging chapters where I get to be a resource and a confidant and an advocate for my clients. So it definitely has not been easy. It's been a learning curve, but I, it, God has been crazy faithful. I am ranked in like the top 1% of realtors. Yeah. In my brokerage in the state of Texas. So it's been it's been a very lucrative career, but what I have gained just in terms of really just seeing how God will bless you, not only financially, but just in relationships and opportunities by stepping out. It's been amazing. It's been good. Yeah, I think a lot about what we say no to when we don't say yes. So you just said like it was it's been lucrative for you and then you have like recognition and success and like. If you had listened to the fear in the moment of being offered the transition when the when the Lord's saying, listen, I want you to go help. And that's his offer to yeah. you. You didn't yeah. have to take it. He would love you anyway. Yeah. But you if you had said no, you would have been saying, of course, it's like, I would rather not see, I would never rather not face the fear. So I'm not going to do that. That's why most people say no to an opportunity like that. But then you would have also been saying no to the increased income, to the recognition and success, to the partnership with your husband in a whole new way, to the the increase of your skills, so many things. So many things. And I often, it's interesting that you are phrasing it that way because I often think about the things that like I love and enjoy. So for instance, at my church, I attend a church here in Plano, Texas, and they're so huge on small group, community group, life group. My life group has changed my life. Like the the relationships, there are 12 couples. We have walked through so many incredible, incredibly heartbreaking healing, like everything you could think about. And I often think about like, what if my pastors would have not answered the call to plant the church? Mm. If they wouldn't have answered the call to plant the church, that I, for one, know that the way in which I walk with the Lord right now would have looked totally different. And I think about that, like, even down to, like, I love Advocare. Well, I like an energy drink. Like, what if they never would have made it, you know? <laughs> so I'm always cognizant of when I, when I am, you know, just really praying and discerning what it is that I need to do. Like, who else is this going to who, when I say no to this, who is God looking to bless through my obedience? Mm-hmm. That, that if I'm not obedient, 
not that he can't do it because he can, you know, he'll make the rocks cry out if he needs to. But he may be planning for me to be in Kroger that day to talk to that lady. That's and if right. I can walk through the situation and done what he did, what he told me to do, then I can't minister. So, so that's just the way I look at even when I'm scared of things. Like, it's okay, you know, and one of our, our shared mentors has encouraged me to stop saying scared and just saying, like, I'm, I'm getting energy from it. So I take that nervousness and I try to say, okay, let me create, make this create energy or momentum, especially when I'm confident on that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so when you feel that fear, that tension inside, it's like, not, that's so good. I, you know, you don't say to yourself, I'm feeling scared. It's like, I'm getting energy from this moment. I'm getting yeah. energy from this tension of, you know, the intercept, the unknown. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that's amazing. It totally it shifts the way you look at it, doesn't it? It does. It does. It really does. It really does. And just that little shift of word, like, okay, yeah, this is a, a fearful moment, but I need to fear the Lord. And I now I need to take this, what the enemy would try to, you know, pound me down with fear and I need to use it to create energy so that I can go out and do what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for a long time, I love speaking in front of, I can speak in front of any number of people. I love being on stage behind a microphone and people ask me if I get nervous and I do. I mean, there's sometimes not as much anymore. At first it was really hard even when I feel those jitters, maybe my fingers kind of shake or I feel butterflies in my stomach, I interpret that as a good thing. It's like, yeah. I'm about to kill it. I mean, yeah. I can feel it coming on. I'm about to kill it. Well, because I've shifted my mentality about speaking, I know how powerful that is, but I've never thought about thinking of fear as like, oh, I'm just getting energy because you do feel hyped up when you yeah, feel fear. Really. You don't know what to do with it. So, yeah, it's like, OK, well, let me work towards what I'm supposed to be doing. So mm -hmm. you mentioned your skill set that your bit, your husband and your business needed. What is would you say are your top three skills? So I am definitely an educator at heart. So I am definitely an educator. I'm definitely a connector. I do really well with connecting with people. And I think one of my great skills is my, I'm empathetic. You know, mm -hmm. I can really, so I guess that kind of goes along with connecting with people. Like I can really put myself in the other person's perspective and help to problem solve. Like, okay, let me think about what they're going through. And really that's what I feel like most businesses are, right? Marketing is what's the problem? This is what I have to solve it, right? So, and and my husband is, he's a hard D on the disc assessment. You know, he's a driver. And, you know, I just brought a different level of, and, and what's funny is we really don't work together. So that's the next funny thing. Oh, is that is. We, really, we really ended up, I, I tried, he's on the investment side and I quickly found out that the investment side was not for me. I really love working with people like residential real estate people who are going to live in the homes. But the, the interesting thing is that even though I'm not in his business, I, I, I get to provide feedback to him. We get to converse about our businesses and model things after each other. And his business has exploded since I've come into real estate, even though we're not working side by side. But now we do have some different projects that we're working on together just in terms of empowering entrepreneurs. That's just the interesting thing. So I think I just brought a different perspective and just, you know, for him, like just 
management, like clerical stuff, you know, just knowing how to organize a team, you know, things like that. I've been able to model and he's been able to grasp that for his side. That's great. So I I definitely hear the empathy as a strength for you, because one of the first things you said was you, you notice that people who are transitioning in their homes, like they're closing chapters, they're, they're closing, I mean, and they're starting new chapters and that you would have that heart to see empathetically because sometimes those, those aren't good chapters. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Like, you know, I've walked through tough seasons with my clients, you know, clients that I've helped, you know, build dream homes. And a couple of years later, they're separate with their family is transitioning and separating. But I even feel like that's a testament that they both would still trust me to go through that part with them too. So it's not always happy, but again, just looking to be a support. And I don't really think like, real to me, I feel like being a realtor is much like my teacher life. You know, I, you're all the things to all the people. Yes. I was a teacher too. So I get you understand. It. You understand. Yep. That, yeah, you have to wear all the, all the hats. Yep. And I've always said with teaching that it's like the hub of the wheel. Like when you are connecting kids with what they need, like this one needs to see the nurse. This one needs to see the counselor. This one needs to have a tutor or this one needs special but, services or this one, i noticed that he his you know everything looks okay from the outside but i noticed that his energy is down or you know yeah. it's not going on at home he's been, right. been quiet he's not eating his lunch you know right so, so we oftentimes notice things that most people you know to the naked eye seems like oh they're just going through like no 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 i know my kids like Right. Something else happening here. So yeah, even important things like my third grade teacher was the one that noticed that I was needed glasses. I mean, like I could hardly see, but no one even noticed except my third grade teacher. And so yeah, we can we are the hub of the wheel, but I think that's true about realtors as well. Because when somebody's moving to the new area, you connect them, get them all the spokes in place. So that their lives can be on the on the move again, you know, put them in in contact with the right funding, with the right services, all those things. So that would be rewarding to someone with an empathetic heart. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Good. I'm so glad. Okay, so now we get to the book part, which I'm really excited to hear about. Start it. Start at the beginning. How long have you wanted to write a book? So. I don't know about most people, but I think that God has given, like, there are just certain things that I've always known God would have me do. And write a book was one of them, but I just had no idea what he wanted me to write about, right? My husband and I, we've been together a long time. We met when I was 15 years old. So I was like, do we write like a relationship, like type book? Or I do have a very detailed history, which I, which kind of goes into what the book is. So when I was born, I was born in 1980. My mother had buried her baby nine months prior to me being born. And when I say her baby, her youngest child was 17 years old and she had cancer. So that was her first child to pass away. And in fact, my mother buried all of her children but me eventually. Yeah. Oh, so I know I have to give you context so that you understand. So when my mom was 25 years old, she was married. Her husband passed away from cancer. He was 28. 
left her widowed with three children under five. So I had two sisters and one brother, the two sisters and the one brother. She raised them, purchased a home, you know, it's still our family home to this day, purchased a home, raised them. And she ended up meeting my father much later. So her her daughter was about 15. Her youngest was about 15 or 16 when she met my dad. And shortly after meeting my father, the youngest daughter was diagnosed with cancer. It was a fast bout of cancer. And she passed away when she was 17. So my mom was grieving, obviously, and had no idea that she was pregnant with me until June of 1980. And I was born in September of 1980. So she attributed the weight gain and all of that to- She had been pregnant for a long time. Oh, she had been pregnant for six months. Oh my goodness. Essentially, I was probably at my sister's services and didn't, you know, I was in utero. Oh my goodness. And and at the time, my mom was 40 when she got pregnant with me. And she always jokes and says that she had me at 40 before having kids at 40 was cool. Because by the time I was born, her two children, well, she had the daughter, Cecilia, who passed away in that June. And then I had a brother and sister who were 20 and 21 at the time. So actually, my 21-year-old sister had a son. So I was born an auntie. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So eventually my sister who, who my sister, her name was Rotanza, the 21 year old. She was much like a mom to me because she had a toddler and, you know, I yeah. was there. so she actually passed away from breast cancer when she was 29. We lost her. And then my brother, we lost him when he was 35, all from cancer. So they all ended oh. up having from their dad. And then the my nephew, my sister's son, who was much like my brother, was murdered. Oh, my goodness. It's, yeah. Oh, it's so, yeah, it is a lot. So my mother experienced a great deal of loss. And I truly was born into, into death, if that makes sense. You know, there was death. Mm-hmm. Death has always been around me. But not in a sad way. Like, and and it took me years to understand just what a gift my mom was because though she went through such a traumatic experiences back to back, and you know there were additional losses. You know, some of her siblings, her parents passed away, and things like that. But her capacity to love was like nothing before, right? Her capacity to love was. And the way she loved me, you know, in particular, I can't even begin to describe it. So my mother actually took ill quickly last Thanksgiving. I got a call. She's still in Chicago. I got a call on November 29th that I needed to get home today because they didn't know if she was going to make it. So I got home. She was in ICU. I couldn't see her that night. That was a Monday night. That Tuesday. I went to the hospital and it was very clear that the end was near. She ended up passing away about six days later in my arms, um, worship music. So as you can imagine, just so much loss around, it was, it's just hard. And this is the most traumatic, right? My mom, not that the other ones were not tragic, but, but my mother was a constant with all of the loss together and losing her actually 
even made the loss of my siblings even more real because, you know, I was going through it on my own. So, well, and I shouldn't say on my own because I have such a great support system, but it just it just looked different. Yes. And at one point, I was you know trying to get back into the swing of work, and as passionate as excited as I am about what I do, I was just like nothing made sense anymore. Nothing made sense, and I was had decided that I was going to take the month of April off, and I was sitting. I have a room in my in my in my house where I meet with Jesus. And I was sitting there and I was journaling and I was angry. I truly was angry with God. I just was like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, what? Because I had all these plans for my business, right? I had all these plans for my life. And I don't even want to do them anymore because my mom can't see it. And what, like, what do you want me to do? Like you, we did a great job of getting her to heaven, but now what am I supposed to do? And he said, I want you to tell the story. I want you to tell the story about how we sent your mama to heaven. So that's what my book is about. Wow. I, I know there are so many people who need that, who need a story of faith through tragedy and grief. Yeah. Wow. 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 So uh, how did you approach it? How did, did how, Most people aren't sure even where to begin. So how did you just begin with your book? So I began it trying. So this is what's interesting is that, and when you when I look back, the Lord was just crazy faithful, because my mom has such a large community. I have a large community, and there were so many people in the six or so days when she was transitioning. There were so many people reaching out and trying to get a touch in touch with me, and you know, sending me text messages. It felt so overwhelming. So I started almost blogging on Facebook a couple times a day as she was mm-hmm. transitioning, what was going on, you know, like who yeah. came to visit when she yes. was the last thing she said to me and also was weaving in her, like not even knowing, just weaving in her story and things like that. So those Facebook posts and my journals became my, my timeline and my guide to help me remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was the the first thing, and I'm gonna say I, I like fought tooth and nail, right? Because the I've always known that the Lord would use me for ministry. He would use, I'm like, hey, use me for business, use me for marriage, whatever you. Would, but, but I and I remember being like, oh, I don't want to talk about grief. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I want to put that away in a box and not open it up. Right. Um, but I do think, uh, and this is why I feel like this story is so needed and powerful because. I don't think that we talk about grief enough and enough from the perspective of how beautiful the process can be, equally beautiful and equally heartbreaking, right? So that's why I I wrote it. And the approach that I took is just really, I just really painfully sat with the Lord every day. And and the book is literally a timeline from the the time that I would kind of call my mom, like, I don't think something, I think you need to go to the doctor to the, to her last breath. So I literally had to take myself back into those moments and I just did it. Mm-hmm. I just did it. So I had those Facebook posts and I, and I first, I tried to go about it in the same way that I did a lot of my things. Like I tried to make a nice little chart and okay like this is what the chapter title is going to be and and some of that did help me get started but at some point I just had to write 
because mm-hmm. the Lord will bring back to my remembrance things that I forgot or mm-hmm. or and then I would I would also reach out to people who were like in the room at certain points and they would remind me of something that I may have, yes. you know, like, oh, oh, that's right. This did happen. So I just went in chronological order of what happened in those days. And because, you know, it was my true experience and really just told it from the perspective of a love story. It, it almost reads like a love story between me and my mom, but really it's a love story between us and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I'm partial to outlines and organizing ahead of time, but then I also surrender that to to the just what the Holy Spirit wants to do. When students and clients come to me and they ask me, I, of course, I teach them how to make an organized outline and chart. In the end, I I tell them the Holy Spirit is your willing partner. Writing is very solitary. You're sitting there alone, but you're really not alone because you have Jesus. So you can ask him and he will bring to your remembrance the things that he wants you to put. And you can just write and put aside the outline and the chart and all that stuff from time to time, because this is a spiritual exercise. It's worship. Your words are worship. And it totally was. It totally was worship. It totally, there were so many times. I remember one day in particular, I was and and I bought a different computer. I bought like a little cheap computer off of, from Best Buy, like a little Mac, not a MacBook, but like a something that I could just go to Google, a Google computer. And I was so that I was like, why are you like, I, I was talking to God, like, why are you making me do this? And I threw the little cheap computer. Right. And I was like, I'm just so, and I, and, and it, I was just like, man, like, I don't understand. Like I lived through it once. I don't want to write about this again. I, and it was almost like I could hear him say, okay, come on. The Holy Spirit like, okay, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Okay. You done? Pick it back up. And I picked it back up and I kept going, you know? So, so many parts of it. And that's why I know it's God led because for so many parts of it, I would have not taken myself back there, but I just know how healing it can be. And I know from the outside looking in, we look at people's lives. And even one of my family members said it to me, like, you know, it just looks like you were handling your mom's death so beautifully. And I was like, girl, <laughs> looks are deceiving. It's because I'm sitting before the Lord every day. So yeah. he's showing me how to grow. And the book is such a good part of my healing process. Mm-hmm. He's showing me that he doesn't have to be a one or the other guy, right? He doesn't have to be a good God or a, a, a God who allows this calamity to happen in my life. He mm-hmm. is good in both situations. And, mm-hmm. and that's who my mom was. Like when I really think about it, one of the most beautiful things about her is that she lost her children, but she suffered well. And she showed what it looked like to trust God with all your heart when the worst of the worst happened to you four times in a row. He also just allowed her to experience so many amazing things with me and my little family, right? That I know is on the shoulder of her prayers. Yeah. And, and even going back to my career, you know, and we talked from what we talked about before, just doing what God told you to do. If I would have not listened to the Lord and went into real estate, then I wouldn't have had the financial freedom or the time freedom or the flexibility to literally just be there to hold her and usher her back to him in worship. Mm-hmm. So even 
even in the moments that she was transitioning, I saw God's glory because he allowed me, you know, he allows me to experience life in a way where I could be there and be fully present. I didn't have to call a boss. I didn't have to make a plan. You know, I didn't have to worry about my, my lights being cut off or anything like that. I could fully be present with my mom in her last days. And that was one of the most beautiful gifts that I have received. And now I get to tell others about it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, praise the Lord. I mean, so what did you learn about yourself while you were writing that you didn't know before? I think that I just got a deeper understanding on just how intricate God is. You know, again, like how every part of your story is woven for him. What I tell people now is I have nothing to lose. And not from a, you know, a all or nothing, but like, I have nothing, like I'm doing everything he tells me to do because he's shown me, don't want to cry, but he's shown me in the worst case scenario that he will use it all for his glory. So why am I going to hold back? So I think that's what I've really learned is like, there is no holding back for the glory of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And, you know, I, I love that my listeners have been able to hear, hear your process because I think a lot of people think that once you sit down to write, you're sitting down because you're ready. And what I heard about you saying your teacher to real estate story and in this book writing story, you said sometimes you have to start before you're ready. Yes. That's what you were willing to do. And I think that's what we have to do. But so many people think, well, with writing, isn't it different? I mean, don't you know what you're doing before you sit down? So they postpone and postpone and never do it. And you were willing to start and then even willing to face that setback in the middle where you threw the computer. Yeah. Like, I got, there's nothing else. I got nothing. Right. And he's like, but you're not done. So pick it up. Pick it up. That was good. I'm happy you got it out. <laughs> That's how I felt. Now, like now we can work again. <laughs> I guess like one thing is that like I just made a promise to myself to be consistent. So I set a timer for 25 minutes. If all I could handle was 25 minutes that day, that's what I wrote. You know, every day, seven days a week. I didn't. Well, it was more like five days a week. And then it was summer and travel and things like that. So it was more like five days a week. Mostly, I really didn't write too much on the weekends. I need to give myself a break from it. For the most part, Monday through Friday, that's when I'm a little stricter or a little more disciplined with my morning routine and waking up earlier in the day. And then what happened is I kind of got behind like in July. And I was like, you know what, I want to be, I need to get through this process before my son goes back to school. And I just set a goal, like, okay, I want to be done before because I didn't want, like my mornings were not as free when I have to get him prepared for school. So at the end, I didn't rush it, but I did, I was just a little bit more disciplined on writing a little longer and even on weekends if I needed. Mm. So how long did it take you overall with about 25 minutes a day? I started in April and I finished in August. Amazing. That's so good. I love it. And and we think, again, you're busting through a lot of limiting beliefs for people right now. 
because, you know, we we tell ourselves a story. The enemy tells us a story that it's going to take so long. Like I've got to sit down and write four hours a day and you just worked it in 25 minutes. You, that, you can do anything for 25 minutes, right? 25 minutes, right. And that's and that's what I did. And that's what I teach even agents is like set realistic goals for yourself, right? And, and what can you commit to? So I could not, I couldn't even commit to an hour, even right. though most days I wrote for an hour, but I couldn't commit to that, but I could commit to 25 minutes. And if it was oh, too that's heavy, good. Yeah, if it was too heavy, then I left it at 25. But then sometimes it was all, what was funny is that even as I was writing, because even as it was happening, right, like I would be looking at my mom and then I would have a flashback to like when she would tell me she used to have house parties at this house, the house that looked literally she passed away in the house that mm-hmm. she purchased for her kids. And she, you know, I remember like my daddy came to one of the house parties and that's how she met him because he came to her house party with it. So like I would have flashbacks when when I was holding her of like, what this home represents. And now I get to go back and tell that story in the book the same way that it kind of went mm-hmm. through my mind. So there would be times where I would be writing, even though I knew it was going to happen. It's like, oh, I got to finish this. Like, I got to finish this thought because I want to see what's going to happen, even though I knew what was going to happen. Like, I was mm-hmm. into it. So, yeah. So I just, I, I set a, a doable goal that I knew that I would commit to. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so what's the name of your book? I don't have a name for it yet. I don't. Oh have, oh, have you not published it yet? No, no, no. I haven't published it. No, I wrote oh, it. Oh, okay. I wasn't even sure. Okay. So this is awesome. So you haven't come up with a title yet. You're still thinking. I, I just read it. Cause so I, so I wrote it and then I put it away. That's good. Because yep. I was like, I need some time to detach from it. Absolutely. It's what you got to do. Yeah, I needed some time to detach from it. And then my birthday was in September. And historically, birthdays are tough for me. I just turned 42 years old. None of my siblings on my mom's side made it to this age. So, mm-hmm. you know, some, the enemy tries to, to to bind me with some survivor's guilt on my birthday anyway. Uh, and, and this is my first birthday without my mom. So my husband and I booked a trip to the beach. I took the book with me and I read the book and worshiped on the beach by myself. And even after I read it, now there is a part that I'm going to add. Well, there, of course, there's some different editing and and I, I'm i going to have some eyes put on it. And it, it, the interesting thing is one of my one of my clients, and I didn't even know this until I told her in passing, like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. She's a publisher. God, yeah. God makes it all come together. Yeah. So she just gave me some feedback just in terms of like when I'm ready for her to read it, you know, just when I'm ready. And but she gave me some sound advice just in terms of removing myself and then coming back to it. So I really did enjoy reading it from the perspective of someone who didn't read it, write it, even though I did. And But now I feel like something was missing. And I think that I don't know if I'm going to add because I actually eulogize my mom. So I don't know if I will put the eulogy in there at the end, but I'm leaning towards it being a year later. Mm. Just talking, you know, giving like the epilogue of like what the year of grief has looked like and just how I've grown in the Lord since that year. And I'm guessing as much as your book is going to bless other people, I'm guessing that it blessed you. And it was one of the ways God was wanting you to process the grief. Absolutely. And all I could think about was that my 
my sons and and their children and their children's children will not get to know not only get to know my mother through the book, but they'll just get to know in my words how glorious God has been. And that's what I think. Like that's one of the toughest parts about losing my mother is like I think like, oh, you know, if, if things go, if death goes in the order it's supposed to, then one day my kids are gonna feel the same pain that I'm feeling. Mm. this book will be a model to them of where I anchored my faith even when I didn't want to so so that's something I just kept thinking about and and one of my youngest son has not been very vocal about the loss of my mother she's a I mean it's a it's a huge loss for all of us he always likes me to read the book to him oh that's wonderful Yes. Well, Rosemary, I have been so honored to have you as a guest. And listen, we'll have to do another podcast episode when you have it all packaged and published. And just to hear how the first few months of, of having your book out there for the world to read and what that feels like for you. But I know that people have been blessed and helped along the way to hear about your writing process. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for the opportunity just to chat and and discuss this project. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, if there's any way that anyone wants to connect with you or ask about your writing process or even real estate needs, how can they find you, Rosemary? Sure. Definitely. I'm I'm very active on Instagram at Rosemary the Realtor. R-E-A-L-T-O-R, Rosemary the Realtor. And my website is www.rosemarylewis.com, L-E-W-I-S. Okay, wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you. Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you about your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.